Hi, I'm Darren Peppard. Welcome to the Leaning into Leadership podcast, the podcast dedicated to today's hardworking leader. Join me every Sunday for leadership insight, inspiration, and a little pep talk to keep you rolling down your road to awesome. Hey, everybody. Welcome back into the Leaning into Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Darren Peppard. And this week on the podcast, I have a guest whose story I think you probably have already heard. You just don't necessarily know the name Coach Jim Johnson. In 2006, Coach Johnson put a player into the game late in the senior night game. And that young man, a kid who has come to affectionately be known as J-Mac, poured 20 points in in a matter of less than four minutes. He became a viral sensation, an ESPY winner, and it's one of the most powerful stories that I've ever heard. I'm certain that you'll remember the story when you hear Coach talk about it, but there's so much more than just that one story to Coach Johnson. He has transitioned from being an award-winning, fantastic high school basketball coach to being an award-winning, fantastic speaker in the leadership space. I'm super excited to share Coach Johnson with you, but before we get to that, I just want to remind you that we're at that time of year when setting up professional development for our coming school year is starting to come to the front of our mind. A couple of things that I would love to work with you and your schools on would be high-performance leadership teams, which is a wonderful two-day intensive workshop designed to help get your leadership team all on the same page, firing on all cylinders, and ready to take on the upcoming year. The second would be having the opportunity to come and speak at your school to work with your entire staff, to work with your students, to build that sense of belonging, that sense of pride, that sense of love in the school that all comes from developing a positive culture and climate. Check out everything available at roadtoawesome.net. There's some great stuff there, folks, and I'd love to work with you. Just reach out, shoot me an email, or send me a direct message on social media. All of that contact information is in the show notes. But with that, I want to jump into this conversation with Coach Johnson. There were so many incredible pieces in here, so many amazing nuggets of knowledge and of leadership. I hope you enjoy. All right, Jim, thank you so much for joining me here on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Um, I've really been looking forward to this conversation, and I'm really excited to share you and, and some of your story with, uh, with my listeners. Well, thank you. I appreciate it, Darren. Look forward to being with you. Uh, outstanding. So um, you and I obviously just just connected here fairly recently, and right. uh, I'm really grateful that, that we had that opportunity to because um, definitely there are a number of things that you and I have in common uh, in our background. Certainly, certainly some differences, but um, mm -hmm. a lot of people who have never been a coach wouldn't necessarily make the connection between coaching and leadership but to me they're just they're very seamless and and you know there's there's a tremendous amount of leadership 
that goes into coaching. And there's a lot of coaching that goes into leadership. So mm-hmm. um, I'm excited to, to have this conversation with you today. But before we do that, maybe for my listeners who don't know who you are, maybe just tell them a little bit of your background, you know, a little bit of your origin story and, and yep. what, what has brought you to what, what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to address one thing that I'll give you just a quick background is that uh, sure. I, I will say this, that when I started to become a student of leadership, it was a very interesting correlation that how my teams got so much better. So I will, yeah. early in my career, I was all about, okay, how can we win basketball games? I was a high school basketball coach for over three decades. And when I realized it was really more important to understand how to be a good leader and how to build team and build team dynamics is that when I figured that out, uh, I had quite a bit more success. So I just wanted to share that because uh, as you mentioned, coaching leadership are, uh, you know, and I've spoken to businesses all over the country about leadership and um, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities, you know, there's certainly differences in some things, but leadership, the foundation of it is important, no matter if you lead a basketball team or a multi-billion dollar company. Uh, with that said, Absolutely. I'll give you just background as far as a, uh, I grew up in a big family. I was the oldest of six and we were very sports oriented. My dad was uh, actually uh, was my high school basketball coach and my mother was an elementary teacher. So I grew up in a background of education. Uh, And when I uh, got into high school, I I played all kinds of sports, but basketball became my love. And I ended up playing for my dad for three years. And that was a real honor. My senior year, I was a pretty good player in my mind anyways. I mean, I was an all league player. I mean, I wasn't anything. Uh, but in my mind, uh, you know, my my dream was I wanted to play in college and then end up, you know, certainly I wanted to play in the NBA. Well, I got to college and I uh, I ended up playing one year at a school at, on their JVs. Back then, many years ago, they, a lot of colleges used to have both a varsity and JV and not very often anymore. But uh, so then I transferred. Actually, I was going to school in Pennsylvania. I'm from Rochester, New York. Transferred because I, I got a little homesick and I got I went to a state school called Cortland and I actually didn't make the team, which was a really humbling experience. I think it helped me immensely in my coaching career because as I've told my players over my three decades of being a head coach is that, you know, I kind of hit all the different perspectives of players in the sense that when I was in middle school, I was one of the last guys on the team. In fact, uh, when I played middle school basketball, it was the first year they had ever had it. So it tells you I'm a little bit older. And uh, they didn't have enough uniforms. And I actually had to wear a T-shirt with a number on it, which was kind of embarrassing. So, And I was at the end of the bench. My senior year in high school, I was the best player in the team. Uh, and then my in college, you know, I played uh, – one year, and then I actually got cut. So I really hit all the gamuts from being the worst or weak, one of the weaker players on the team to being the best player on the team. I've been kind of in the middle of the road, and I've also gotten cut. So I think that did help me immensely as a coach. Certainly, I didn't uh, realize that at the beginning. But then, uh, you know, when I got out of college, I was uh, really wanted to get into education, and because basketball was my number one love, although I coached other sports, basketball was my dream. I wanted to be a head coach in uh, in my area. I lived in uh, an area, a suburb of Rochester, New York, 
and got an opportunity at 25 years old to be a head coach, which is pretty young in, in you know, coaching yeah. basketball. And I had some success a couple of years as a junior varsity coach. And of course, in my mind, I'm thinking, I, I know what, what it takes to be a great coach. Yeah. I did such a great job the first year. I led this team to 17 consecutive losses. And uh, then the administration uh, told me something I didn't want to hear. They said, uh, I think we're going to look for another teacher and coach. <laughs> so yeah. uh, so I lost my position. Of course, that was a very humiliating situation. And uh, But you know what? It ended up probably being one of the best things in my career because at that time, I was kind of this arrogant 25-year-old that thought he knew everything. And it really opened my eyes. And I'll give you one last thing. So the next thing in my blessing was the next year, I actually – uh, worked for a junior college coach as an assistant. And little did I know, I mean, he was a very good coach. And I learned a lot from him, but his name was Bill Van Gundy. And for those of your listeners that follow basketball at all, uh, Bill is not famous, but his two sons are. His sons, Jeff and Stan, yeah. have both been head coaches in the NBA numerous times, and they're both now commentators. Yeah. Uh, and interesting is that uh, Jeff was younger than me. So he was a high school coach when I worked with his father and his brother, uh, Stan, was a uh, college coach. So, uh, you know, little did I know that they would end up doing that. But that was a real blessing. I something, you know, that I highly recommend as a leader to get mentors like I was fortunate to have. But my dream was I wanted to get back in the high school level and got an opportunity to go back. I, I coached in a small school for a couple of years, really enjoyed it because I was from a big town of about 100,000 people. But, um, uh, you know, my ultimate dream is I wanted to get back to my hometown called Greece, New York. And after a few years coaching this um, smaller school, I got an opportunity to come back and coach uh, one of the schools in our town. When I grew up, there were three high schools and there's actually four now. And I uh, went to one of them and I ended up being a head coach at one of the others. And that was my probably my biggest challenge. I took over a program that was horrific. <laughs> they won two <laughs> games and lost 40 in the two previous seasons before we Ouch. took over. So we had, we had a lot of work to do, but fortunately uh, I was there seven years and our last three years, we had three of the school's best years ever. And uh, we ended up making the postseason tournament and made the semifinals of the tournament, which the school had never done once. We did it three years in a row, but we didn't break that barrier. And then I got an opportunity to move over to one of the other Greece schools that for many reasons, I'm not going to delve into. I just thought it was the best position of my hometown. Yeah. And that's where I finished my career with 20 years. And I'll, I'll stop there. I mean, you know, we can go into, uh, you know, I know, uh, you know, I was blessed to be part of an inspirational story. We might get into a little bit if you want, or, or we can go. Yeah, definitely. So, but, uh, yeah, no, we'll definitely touch on that story because yeah. I think as, as you tell that story, the, the listeners are going to remember that and say, oh my mm -hmm. gosh, you're the coach that, that put that player in the game. And, and we'll, we'll come back to that in a couple of minutes. And honestly, yeah. you and I could just talk basketball for hours and, you know, absolutely. Yeah. Is it the leaning into basketball, you know, show? <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll start another podcast and you and I can just talk basketball. Cause um, obviously, you know, that was something for me too. So, so a similarity there for the two of us, when I found that passion for education and it wasn't, it wasn't right away. I mean, I, I started, um, as a physical therapy major in college. Um, I mm -hmm. honestly, I wanted to be the high school trainer, um, you okay. know, when, and, and this isn't exactly the best way to select your major, but I didn't really have that person that, that, that 
guidance counselor. I mean, we had guidance counselors, but I went to a really large high school. And mm-hmm. um, when it was, you know, senior year was winding down and I knew I was going to go to college, but I didn't know what I, what I wanted to do. And right. I thought back to the time I had spent in the training room. And honestly, as, as, as a high school athlete, I was a really good tennis player as a state champion tennis player. I was on the basketball team, but I spent more time in the training room, honestly, than I did on the floor. I was just <laughs> injured all the time. And, um, I'll, I'll never forget it. November 23rd, 1984. You, you may or may not know the day, but you'll remember the moment. Um, Doug Flutie throws this unbelievable pass to beat Miami mm-hmm. on the last play of the game. You know, you know, the game. I did not know the date, but I remember it well. So. Exactly. Well, um, I know the date cause I had to look it up to talk about it in my <laughs> book, but, um, that I was in the training room and I, and I watched this happen. And so I'm deciding, yeah. Hey, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be the high school trainer because he gets to, you know, be at all the games, work with, work with kids. And he has a TV in his office. So that, that's actually why I chose to, <laughs> but uh, it, it didn't work out, but it was actually basketball that was my calling into education. A buddy of mine mm-hmm. in college said, Hey, come help me coach this basketball team. And I did. And I was hooked. And honestly, it was fifth grade girls. So it's not like we're doing a lot of heavy X's and O's, but being able to work with kids. And then like you, I had this desire. I wanted to be a head basketball coach. And I was, I was able to, to achieve that um, as, as a head girls basketball coach where, where I did uh, my 11 years of teaching. So um, I get that, you know, that, that passion that drives you, that pulls you there. And when, when we talk about leadership and we talk about coaching again, that just, there's so many connections. Yeah. I just, I wonder, I wonder if maybe there's for you one or two moments that you look back on your coaching career as kind of like defining leadership moments that, you know, you reflect upon and, and maybe are, you know, just some incredible gold nuggets that, that people need to hear. Well, I, you know what? I mean, there's certainly, I could go in a few different directions of this, but I think it might be a good segue to kind of share um the story that I was blessed to be part of because there was a lot of life lessons in what happened. So let me share that. And uh, I'll share some of the leadership uh, issue or ideas that I really garnered from that. So the first thing is, um, so I had coached at this school I, I mentioned before called Greece Athena and, and they had, had a losing season before we took over, but they had some tradition. They won a state championship. They had an NBA player that played there named John Wallace that played at Syracuse. And so they had some tradition, but they had stubbed their feet a little bit. But anyways, they uh, so when we took over, we got it going right away. We won in our first season. And I think my first seven years, we had winning seasons. We won a couple of division titles, but we were struggling in the postseason. We didn't even get back to the semifinals, like I mentioned at my um, previous school where we made it three straight years, my last three. And so I was really struggling with the idea, why can't we do it better in the postseason? Well, interesting enough, I think it was my eighth year, this young man comes into our program. His name is Jason McElwain, the world, uh, if you follow the story, which I'll share in a little bit. Uh, we tagged him a nickname called J-Mac that I actually did give him the nickname because I couldn't pronounce his last name. <laughs> so <laughs> fortunately he liked it. So it kind of stuck. It were, uh, that's what everybody started calling him. But anyways, Jason tried out for our JV team and he was a little guy and he's on the autism spectrum. And when he tried out for their JVs, he was probably five, six, 90 pounds soaking wet. He was just a little guy. 
And after a couple of days of trials, my JV coach came to me and said, Coach, we have this young man, Jason McElwain. He's not a very good player. He's on the autism spectrum. He's learning disabled. But man, this kid has a big heart. He loves basketball and he loves being around the team. I want to keep him in the program. So what do you got in mind? He says, I'm going to offer him the team manager job, which he did. And that year, there were some trials and tribulations because it was back in 2003-04. So back then, autism was starting to become a little bit more prevalent, but it was still there were a lot of questions. Still, there's questions today. And so we were just trying to figure him out, but we could see his passion, and it was just special. And so early on, after uh, the kids got used to him, they really started, because our culture had been pretty good, so they kind of embraced him. And he would, in fact, it always warmed my heart because he wanted to sit on the bench for both the JV and the varsity game. But of course, because he was coming to the JV practices every day, he was closer to that group of kids. So during the JV game, he would get quite emotional, and he was so into the game. And as I kid people, after the game, he'd be what I call a tad disheveled. And it always warmed my heart after the JV game, a varsity player would go over and he would straighten Jason's white shirt and black tie out and he would sit on the varsity game and he was a little bit more subdued for the varsity, at least as a sophomore. <laughs> that did change. <laughs> and so after his sophomore year, he what was different about Jason because in my 30 years as a head coach, I could probably count on it on one hand the number of young men I coach boys in basketball that if they didn't make the team would try out again next year. And, and if they right. did, most of them would not make a commitment. They wouldn't come to our offseason. But then at a LARP, they may come out for the team. And most likely, they didn't make it again. But what was unique about Jason was he loved the program. And he wanted to be as good as he can. So after his sophomore year, he came to all our offseason stuff. And I started picking him up. And because he was so passionate about basketball, and I was, we really developed quite a bond. Well, he tries out his junior and I bring him in and I said, Jason, unfortunately, not quite good enough to make the team, but I would like to offer you the team manager's job. And Jason had really gotten into our program. And he, and so at our first team meeting, his junior year, he raises his hand. He said, I said, yeah, Jason, he says, coach, we know you've never won the section five championship and we've decided <laughs> we're going we're to stay by this slogan this year of staying focused. And we're going to help you do that. And interesting, awesome. Jason's sophomore year and the year before, we had actually gotten back to the semifinals. So we had gotten back a couple of years, but we still lost again. So Jason's junior year, we have a good season. We uh, get to the semifinals now for the sixth time in my career, and we lose at the buzzer to our crosstown rival. So we're devastated. But again, what I admired about J-Mac is he, his resilience. He just he came again to everything. He tries out his senior year. And this time when I bring him in, I said, Jason, I got some good news and some bad news. And he says, coach, tell me the bad news. And I said, well, unfortunately, you're not quite good enough to make the team. And he, this time, he's, you could tell he's devastated. I said, but I do have some good news. His head popped back up and he goes, coach, what's your good news? I said, well, I'm going to give you a uniform and hopefully get you into our final home game, which we called senior night. And he was pretty excited. And I kid people that periodically he would ask me about that uniform during the season. And of course, I defined periodically by Jason's standards about every other day. <laughs> so he, was, he was pretty excited about that opportunity. Well, I wrote a book about it called The Coach and a Miracle because it's a kind of a long story that I'll just give you the bridge version is that at the beginning of the season, we're expected to have a really good team, Jason Senior. We had a lot coming back from the previous season. But after a couple games where we won an opening tournament, 
we had uh, a really big incident occurred and it, it's all in my book, but it's too long to get into, but I'll just share to the audience that it divided our team. And for anybody that's ever been on a team that didn't get along, then most likely you're not going to play to the capability that you that you could. Well, and that manifested because in the next five games, we lost three of them and we were really struggling. And so I, you talk about leadership. I had to figure out how was I going to turn this team around? Well, we went into this Christmas tournament and we were, the host school was the biggest school in our, in our area. And they were really good that year. And in the opening round, we won in a close game in the Fairport is a high school. They beat this team by like 40 points in the second game that we had barely beaten two weeks earlier in overtime. So the next day, because it was during Christmas break, I brought the kids in for a short practice. We call it a shoot around. And normally we at our shoot around, we would get out balls and do some shooting and go over some plays and get ready for the game. Well, I knew I had yeah. to do something different. So I, I didn't bring any basketballs out. I sat them in the stands and I looked at them square in the eyes and I shocked them. My statement was, guys, I don't want to go to the game tonight. And they looked at me like, what do you mean? And so then I shared with them, I said, unless we decide we're going to be a team, Fairport's going to be us by 50 points tonight. And the best thing I did is I gave them a little motivational spiel for about five minutes. But then I said, guys, I don't have all the answers. I said, but if we don't open up and start sharing how we can unite this team, then we have no chance. And fortunately, they started to open up and they started to share. And by the end of the meeting, you could see from their body language that they were starting to understand what it was going to take. And it manifested that night. We played a great game. We didn't beat Fairport. We lost them in overtime, but it showed that what we could do. And we got uh, really gained some momentum. We won eight out of our next nine games going into senior night. Senior night was on February 15, 2006. And on February 13th, I gave J-Mac his first jersey. It was number 52. It was way too big. He didn't care. <laughs> but there's a rumor going around school that he slept in it for two straight nights. But anyway. Um, he, it's uh, probably more true than just rumor. I'm yeah, sure. it, I think there was some truth to that, to be honest with you. So anyways, I, uh, uh, so senior night comes and for the people that are listening that don't know what senior, a senior night is basically before the game, the way we did it was we bring the parents or guardians of all the seniors out, including Jason, because he was a senior. As our, our, and then, uh, you know, they would introduce our, their parents or guardians. And, uh, you know, I just see the, his parents embrace him in uniform as a memory. I will always cherish. It was really special. Well, the oh. game goes on. And, and uh, so it, at the start of the game, we had a good student body following. In fact, if people want to see on my website, coachjimjohnson.com, or if you go to YouTube, there's an ESPN video that's very powerful that I use in my presentations. Uh, but anyways, Jason, uh, after three quarters of the game, we got everybody in but Jason. So with just over four minutes to go, because my dream was I wanted to get Jason with enough time so he could score a basket. I thought if he could score a basket, that's a memory I'll keep for the rest of his life. Yeah. So I put him in with just over four minutes to go. And the place just exploded. And what I didn't know and what Jason didn't know is one of our parents had made these pictures, these placards of Jason's face, and he put them on paint sticks and he gave them to our student body, which they called themselves <laughs> And he said, if Jason gets in the game, show these. Well, when Jason enters the game for the first time, 
they give them a standing ovation and they show all these pictures. Well, Mr. Macho, me, I get so overwhelmed with emotion. I sit down and tears are literally rolling down my face. I cannot <laughs> believe they, they greeted him. So he gets into his first game. In the first possession, he gets a three-pointer from the corner. He lets it go. The crowd kind of stands in anticipation. It misses by like six feet. And I kid people that I know you're not supposed <laughs> yeah. to pray in the public schools, but I was praying, dear God, please come all. <laughs> but, you know, a great lesson for all of us is how many of us, when you do something new for the first time, because that was the first game Jason ever played in, and you do something that's embarrassing. In his case, he shot an air ball. How many just give up? You know, something to think about. Because, Jason, one of the things we really talk to our players about in basketball, as you know, is a fast-paced game. You know, we always talk about next play. you got to be ready to move on. You make yeah. mistakes, you got to move on. Well, Jason illustrated that very well. So he just shrugged it off. Actually, the next possession, he gets a shorter shot from about 10 feet. And this time it hits the rim. So I'm thinking, all right, God's starting to listen. We're getting closer. Yeah, there you go. Then getting warm. Third, and he shoots a three-pointer again from the right wing. This time magic it goes in the place explodes and i'm thinking to myself god must be a basketball fan jason <laughs> he's got a three-pointer it can't get any better than this right well uh, before i close the, the end of the game i got to share this i'm going to fast forward very quickly five months after that jason is at in los angeles for the sb award he's up the and his idol is kobe bryant and ironically, Kobe is one of the other finalists because he had scored 81 points in an NBA game that year. So he actually meets his idol and then he beats him out for the SB. So, and this is how he did it. In those three minutes, going back to the game, he starts making shot after shot. And the two things I'll never forget with about a minute to go, at this point, he had made four or five baskets and most of them were three pointers. I get a tap on my shoulder. I look behind me, it's Jason's mother. She's bawling her eyes out and she whispers <laughs> my ear, Coach, this is the best gift you could have ever given my son. Of course, I cried harder. I was so touched. Then this is actually how the game ends, Darren. I kid you not, it was like a Hollywood ending. Our opponents spent support that night. They score with about 10 seconds to go. And I want to give kudos to their coach and our players. They were great sports that night. But our player takes it out of bounds, and instead of throwing it to our point guard like he normally does, he threw it right to Jason. So J-Max dribbling on the court, and you see the clock ticking down, seven, six. I'm thinking yeah. they're just going to let him go, and he'll go in and make a layup and end the game. Oh, no, he pulls up like two feet behind the arc, almost an NBA three. I'm thinking, Jason, don't <laughs> shoot from that. It's way too far. You're going to ruin the moment. He launches this rainbow. Swish. I look over, our student body runs on the floor, our players run on the floor, and the only thing I can think of is I'm living the movie Rudy, except this is really true. Yeah. And our, our parents or our players put Jason up on their shoulders. He's got the game ball over his head like this. And I have no idea how many points he has. And our public address announcer comes on and says the leading scorer for the Trojans tonight is J-Mac with 20 points. Of course, <laughs> like, yeah, Graham, thinking, he to play the whole game. That's 160 because he scored 20. In, in <laughs> so it, it was truly remarkable. And, uh, you know, but uh, a couple of real quick little lessons and then we can delve into some other things if you want. But is that, you know, it was one of the, but because we had been a divided team and it was really nice to see us unite, but what warmed my heart, even today, we just had the 16th year anniversary of that game. 
is that I never asked the players on the court to pass Jason the ball. Yet in those last four minutes, they kept passing those. He, he was the only one who shot. In fact, I still killed Jason because I still see him all the time. Jason, I'm still looking for your first assist. You never passed the ball once. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, that's really uh, the essence of teamwork when you can shine the light on another person. And then, you know what, the, I mean, there's so many lessons we can go and, you know, we can delve into some. But the last thing I'll say for now is that, you know, Jason's, uh, what he wanted was to us to win the Section 5 championship. And we ended up three weeks later, because now we started to get all this publicity, because actually I gave Jason's speech pathologist. He actually called the TV station the next day and asked about it. <laughs> all the video because i i felt i did it for the right reasons we had no media there i called the local newspaper just to call the game and they didn't make much of a deal out of it and although I, it was something i cherish i didn't think anything of you know trying to promote it but our the speech pathologist called one of our tv stations and when they showed it within three days we were getting calls from all over the world it was just crazy and of course now we're going to go into our postseason tournament and three weeks later in front of a sold out arena. We play an arena downtown uh, for our championship game and basketball, you know, it, people love basketball. Don't get me wrong, but it's not like Indiana where, you know, you're selling out arenas. So normally for uh, a championship game in our, our arena seats about 10,000, we usually will get maybe four or 5,000 at a championship game that night, because we are getting so much publicity. It was sold out. It was 10,000 people. And we ended up winning the game in a very close game. And, and what I, why I want to share that is because one of the greatest lessons that I share was the fact that uh, the greatest thing that happened in my coaching career, because fortunately, Jason came back and helped me for my last nine years. We ended up winning a number of championships together. So he is my good luck charm. I'll run him out to you guys <laughs> a small feat. But anyway, <laughs> is the fact that, you know, when people ask Jason, because he was interviewed often, and I was too, and they, they would ask him, what was the best thing about your senior season? Expecting him to share about his game. And he always says it was winning the Section 5 championship. And, you know, when people ask me, what's the greatest thing about your career? And, uh, you know, I was fortunate we ended up winning six Section 5 championships in my last 11 years. And the greatest thing that happened in my coaching career was that game. I mean, that, there's nothing more special. And, you know, people said we ever get tired about talking. And I don't think I ever will. It, it just touched me so deeply. And, you know, so it's a great lesson as you're, you know, leading different things. Uh, realize that uh, sometimes there's really better things than even winning a championship, you know, and just the ability to help other people is it, it's something that's very special to me. Well, I think, there's there's so many great great pieces in in what you just talked about. Um, first off, I mean, just from what you just said, I mean, really the true essence of what leadership is is being able to help other people. And mm -hmm. you know, when when you're able to pour into someone like you did for JMac, and then to have you know, number one, to have that that incredible moment, but you know, for him to to just you know be so humble and be so team oriented. I mean, you know, you describe him truly as like the greatest teammate that the kids could ever have. Right. And, you know, for, for, you know, for his takeaway to be, no, we won the second five championship. That's what it was all about. I mean, right. um, I, th I think that's just amazing, but I, I want to go back to, sure. uh, I've heard you tell that story a couple of times now, and, and I think it's awesome. And, and, and folks, I, I do have down in the show notes, I have the link to the video so you can go check it out yourself. Um, I, mm -hmm. I think it's, 
definitely worth the watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I want to go back to one of the leadership pieces in there that um, you, you hit it pretty well, but but I think there's more there. When you talked about having a conversation with your team before you went and played in that game and, you know, just telling your team, one, being vulnerable and honest with your team, I, I don't even want to mm-hmm. go tonight, guys. And, and two, right. you know, we have to come together as a team or we'll never reach the potential. Ha- having coached one of those teams where something happened that divided, um, in, in, in my case, my two best players, uh, mm-hmm. you, you never achieve what that team could have achieved if you don't bring that team together. And um, it just, I really appreciated what you had said there and, and how you address them. Was there, I don't even know quite how to ask this question. What Were you really intentional thinking that through for the course of the day? Was that kind of one of those, you know, it just happened to work out perfectly. Uh, tell me kind of about your leadership mindset as you were preparing for a shoot around where nobody was going to shoot a ball. Yeah. Well, that's a great question. And my thought process, you know, after the, that uh, night, you know, the night before, cause I was like, Oh my God, we are going to get annihilated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What- what can I do? And I said, you know, I just, I thought all night. And when I got up early that morning before the shoot around, I, you know, I was starting to, you know, I always put a practice plan together and I was like, you know what, there's nothing that we can do on the court that can help us right now. The only thing we can do is that I've got to share, you know, like you said, vulnerable, I shared from my heart, but I got to get these guys to open up to each other and and start to share some ideas. And because one of the best things uh, that I, really learned from, you know, I started to do a better job, but that really changed my trajectory as a leader is that I became a much better listener and that I, you know, I really became aggressive in the fact that I would reach out to kids a lot. We had a, a Monday captain's meeting every week where I asked just simple questions like, how is the team chemistry? I would ask her input. What should we focus on this week? You know, who's hurting right now that we need to, you know, help out, you know, just kind of things and trying to get to know as much about each individual and, and just the, you know, the culture of the team, you know, where are we, you know, how can I best coach you guys? And it, it just helped immensely. And that was just a great learning experience that I think all leaders just got to be cognizant of. Is that too often uh, we let our egos get in the way that we know all the answers, and you know what? Often we don't. Uh, you know, it's it's the you know the people we work with. You know, and it's like I, I did a much better job. Like even in timeouts, I would sometimes just ask them a question: What are you seeing out there? You know, uh, because I might be seeing one thing, but I'm not playing. You know, so, yeah, and, and certainly, you know, I mean, I coached a long time, so I think I have some wisdom to offer, but I think we often let our ego get in the way to think that we know all the answers. And, and I think the best leaders are people that have that growth mindset and they're open to suggestions. And, you know, like one of the things that I really shared with our players is I always want to hear from you. I, and I, but I was upfront with them. I said, you know what? I'm not always going to agree with you. And if I don't agree with you, I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Uh, and, you know, you, you still not be, might be happy with you, but at least they felt like they were being heard. And often I would yeah. take their suggestions if I thought it was, you know, beneficial to the team. Yeah. But, Again, just just a bunch of great leadership golden nuggets right there. I, I want to kind of take 
take away from something that you just said there with, you know, kind of, kind of how you evolved as a coach over time. And, you know, I think about, you know, not only evolving as a coach, evolving as a, as a principal, as a superintendent, um, definitely, I know there are things if I could go back and, and tell my, myself, you know, as a young coach, as a young uh, school leader, um, you know, <laughs> Hey, be aware of this or think about this. Uh, you hit a couple there, but, but what might be something that, that you, if you could go back, um, even, even if you go back to, you know, the, the young 25 year old who didn't last very long in that first varsity right, position, right. I mean, what, what would, what would be like a piece of advice that you would give yourself to, you know, maybe prepare yourself better as a leader? I think the, the best advice that I've learned that I implemented that helped me immensely as a leader and it's something I challenge people a lot during my presentations is I think you got to have clarity of who you are and, and what you stand for. So it's something I really push people to do is get, you know, because in businesses, schools have it, you know, they have their mission statement, right? And you know what? I mean, it's a powerful thing if you have a guiding light that people are all buying into. But where I see two issues, one is if you know from a, a team, like we had a team mission statement was that we want to develop winners on and off the court. But everybody's got to know that, you know, just like uh, you know, I've, I've gone into businesses and I've got it up on the wall, and then sometimes I'll I'll say to one of the employees, "So what's your mission?" And they'll kind of look at me like, uh, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it's around here somewhere. <laughs> right. Yeah. So it's, you know, you, yeah. so I think there's real clarity <laughs> on what's your mission. And then, you know, the old adage is that, you know, you, you to be an effective leader, the first person, of course, you got to lead is yourself. And that's why I think it's so important that you have clarity about your own personal mission and what are your top values, you know, your core values. So like when I, you know, I talked to our players, when I really got clarity about my mission statement, which is to be an outstanding role model that makes a positive difference in the world by helping others make their dreams come true. And when I would, you know, when I thought about that on a daily basis, I would get up and say, okay, I got to make sure I'm the example for people. That was very important to me. Uh, I've got to find ways to serve and add value to people today. And, you know, how am I going to do that? So when I could answer those questions and try to put that into action on a daily basis, I became a way better leader. And then, you know, I think our players, you know, I I mentioned that I always wanted to hear from them. But I also shared that, you know, my three core values that we kind of build in our program. The first one is that I wanted everybody to respect each other. Okay. So respect, you know, that you were going to respect all teammates, we're going to respect all uh, opponents, we're going to respect the officials. And that's something we were really excited about. Number two, I wanted people that were uh, growth, you know, that they wanted to get better. It is something that I really strive in my own personal life. Like one of the things I challenge people is, do you, are you intentional about your personal growth? Like I am, one of my goals is I have to feed my mind a minimum of 75 minutes every single day. And I do that by reading. I listen to audio programs all the time. When I go for a walk, I love podcasts. I, I listen to my car as well. I've turned that into a library on wheels. You know, so I think there's just fine ways to, you know, to add value to yourself. So now you can add value, which the third one is I, for our team was called we over me. And that, you know, and I'm my own personal core value is service to others. You know, how am I going to help others and add value to others? And that was the same similar concept with our team core value, which is, is we got to put the team first. 
you know, what can we do to make this team better with everybody's individual talents? Wow, oh, that's awesome. I really appreciate that. So final question. Um, it's the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. So I ask this question of all of our guests. So coach, right now, how are you leaning into leadership? Well, I think the, the most important thing for me, because my brand right now that I've been working hard to build is being an inspirational leader. So therefore, uh, to do that, you know, I said one of my core values that I have for both our team and for me is growing. So that I, I want to be a constant learner. I want to never stop learning. And, I, you know, I, I, and I do that, you know, multiple ways. I mentioned a couple, you know, the one I have a couple mastermind groups that I talk to each month um, that we, you know, bounce ideas off each other and help each other out. And, you know, just find is many ways I, I was a big junkie on going to conferences and basketball world those were called clinics uh you know i was always uh in fact uh, uh, one of my buddies um, that didn't retire he's my age uh and i actually had more wins when i retired than he did but he stayed with it he actually just got his 500th win i just went over 400 when i retired and uh and, but one of the things, a, um, a young coach talked to him and I one time, and we were probably 15 years older than him. And he goes, we're never going to beat you guys. And we started laughing. I said, why is that? He said, because every place I go that has something to do with basketball, you two are there. <laughs> and and so my point is, is that I think, uh, you know, when you answer your question specifically, what I'm leaning in, I'm, I'm a student of leadership. You know, I can't get enough of it. I'm always trying to find and learn from the best people and, you know, and then try to implement it into my life that's going to work for me. And I think that's another bit of advice is that because I, I know when I first got into coaching, you know, the first couple of basketball clinics I went to, there were so many ideas. I My head nearly blew up, you know, oh, but, yeah. and then you realize as you get a little more experience. You, you know, you can't add all these things. What you got to do is figure out what are the good ideas that you can implement into your system? Um, because, you know, there's so many good ideas out there, but they're not going to all work for you. Uh, same similar situation when I joined the National Speakers Association. The first conference I went over a decade ago, <laughs> again, my head almost blew up because I was just there. There were so many ideas. But again, you got to go and decide, OK, you know, what is my business model going to be? and then take the ideas that I can possibly implement. So in summing that all up is I think whatever you're going to do, and in our case, you know, talking about leadership, I think you got to be continually growing and be a student of leadership, you know, that beginner's mindset every day. I love it. I think that's awesome. And, and you know, just, just another nugget for people to take away. Um, so school leaders, what, what Coach just said, you know, you go to a conference, there's a million different things. You don't have to go back and implement all of them uh, just way too frequently. And I know I did this as a coach and as a school leader, you know, you'd, you know, I, I didn't know I could, there were three ways for me to run a one, three, one, this is awesome. Let's try all three. No, that just, it's just going to screw up your team. Um, but as a school leader, yeah, don't, don't try to implement everything you learn at a conference. I mean, if there are things exactly the way coach said it, if there are things that you can implement into your system that are worthwhile, use them, but, just because you saw it doesn't mean you have to use it. I, I just I really, really appreciate that, Coach. And I appreciate so much having you on the show. This was an amazing conversation. And uh, well, I know you. without a question that that our listeners are going to find just so much value in this conversation. 
Thanks. You know, I'll, I'll add one last thing because you had such a powerful point there. I remember that, uh, you know, I, one year I wanted, when I took over that small school, we, we were small, but we were quick. And so I wanted to learn how to press better. And that was not one of my strengths as a coach. And so I went to a clinic where Rick Patino was there and he had just taken over Providence College. And, I, you know, he shared in his clinic, but I didn't know enough. Now, this is how crazy I was. I actually connected with his staff and I went and watched them practice for three days. And, and so, you know, now I really understood. And then I, you know, could implement not only what they were doing, but then add my own flavor because it's often, you know, you go to a conference or a clinic and you get a couple of ideas, but if you don't know enough about it, uh, you can really have your challenges. So make sure that, uh, you know, as you're a student of it, that you make sure that you really understand it so you can teach others. Absolutely. That that's also just a super powerful point. Yeah. If if you just take a little bit of it and try to throw it in, it's it's definitely going to fail. You're going to have to make sure you know it well before before you put it into play. Uh, thank you so much, coach. I really appreciate it. Awesome conversation. Awesome to connect with you. Folks, if you want to connect with Coach Jim Johnson, all of his information is in the show notes. Reach out to him. Powerful speaker, incredible story and an awesome guest on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. Thanks, Darren. Man, that's just such such a powerful episode and so many great things that uh, Coach Johnson talks about there. The thing that maybe I want to go back to from what he talked about during the podcast would be really two specific things. Number one would be that intentional work related to a divided team. So often as leaders, we get caught up and focused on the what we're doing and we lose track of the who we are leading. And in that moment that coach described where he had to have that conversation with his team, it's, it's one of those tough conversations that in leadership we have to have. And it's what really separates, I think, the good leaders from the great leaders, being able to have the difficult conversation to be upfront, honest, and vulnerable and yet direct, that's an important skill in leadership. And I really appreciated how Coach talked about that and went a little bit deeper there. And the other thing that I want to loop back to was just him talking about being intentional about growth. You know, in the previous episode, I talked about all those other interviews where there were intentional pieces connected to leadership. And in Coach Johnson's case, it was that intentionality around his own and other individuals' growth. Such an important thing for us to remember, to always be intentional about the things that truly matter to us as leaders. And now it's time for a pep talk. I was standing off stage, thinking, pacing, couldn't wait to get out on stage for my first keynote. Hundreds of educators waiting to hear what I had to say. And I found myself frozen in that moment, wondering, man, did I, did I make a mistake? Did I, did I make a poor choice? Am I really ready for this? Yeah, it was one of those moments of imposter syndrome. We all have them, folks. Those moments where we pause and we sit, we sit back and think, do I really have what it takes to do this? Am I as good at this as I think I am? Or am I just worried that 
I'm going to be discovered to not necessarily be who I portray myself to be. Folks, it's normal. We all go through that. But here's the thing. When we're faced with those moments, when doubt creeps into our mind, we have to be willing to take a chance. We have to take a deep breath. We have to bury that fear down inside, put our foot down and say, hey, I am here because I belong here. I have earned my way into this place, whatever it might be, and I'm going to go for it. So if you're sitting, holding back, maybe waiting on submitting a proposal to speak at a conference, maybe you've been wanting to write a book, but you're afraid to reach out to a publisher, maybe you want to take that risk and leap into that next role, that administration role or instructional coach role or whatever it is you're thinking you want to do, folks, you got to be willing to take the leap. Bury that fear down inside, let it drive you, and just go for it. You owe that to yourself. The things that we always will regret are the things we didn't try. So that's how I address imposter syndrome. Put in the headphones, crank up some M&M, and remind myself, I got this. So just get out there and go for it. Thank you so much for joining me this week on the Leaning Into Leadership podcast. I hope you have a road to awesome week. Thank you for listening to the Leaning Into Leadership podcast brought to you by Road to Awesome. Don't forget, click subscribe, give a review, and share this with somebody who might also enjoy leaning into leadership.